Welcome to this week's Friday News Flyover. I'm Sean Diller here with Adam Summer and Rachel Parker. And today we've got a few stories for you. First, we'll be talking about Ohio's abortion initiative that's on the ballot here in November. Then the big boy from Illinois ready for his close up, as well as news for Kansas's rocky road towards Medicaid expansion. And some piping hot news from a hot district in Arizona as Jonathan Nez jumps into a congressional race. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for coming. I'm excited to go through these news stories. This is a, a nice triumvirate for a Friday show. Hasn't been like this in a minute. Yeah, I don't know that we've all three done a Friday. Did we do it one yeah, a couple long. of weeks, a few weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were That's so excited because we were like, all three of us can do the flyover, and then everybody was like, we can't though, right? Yeah. <laughs> it turns out, so, it turns out you'll hard. get a mixed match of whoever's. Hard, yeah. Although Sean will pretty much always be on here. I try to. My house so, is filthy right now, so instead of cleaning, I'm doing this, and uh, yeah, you know, I heard, we'll I have, we were we were just talking about house cleaning. It's exactly. Get what you we were a, talking get about. you a housekeeper, sir. I mean, we've got one, but oh, she. Okay. Uh, Okay. They can't come often enough. They can't There's come no every way. day. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So There's filthy, a balance to it. Yeah. So filthy is just, do you mean just like it looks like you have two children? Well, at my house, the problem is the coffee grounds. <laughs> <laughs> Long time listeners, not the coffee spills by this and the coffee stains <laughs> and the coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's not pretty. Um, That's let's... the real reason why Sean drinks old coffee is because he's terrified to make new coffee. Yeah. The mess well, that he will inevitably make. And I can't do milk or sugar because I do spill it everywhere. And that would just (laughs) know thyself untenable. Um, Uh, Let's jump into the stories, though. Ohio, did you guys check out their abortion initiative? It's finally coming to the ballot. It's an off year November election where they're going to decide whether to basically enshrine the right to an abortion. And uh, I guess the alternative is what really jumped out to me. I didn't realize that. Ohio's Republican legislature had passed a six-week abortion ban with no exceptions in 2019, yeah. and so that would become the law if the initiative fails. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good initiative. Looking at the the story that you gave us from the Ohio Capital Journal, the uh, the summary of what am I voting on? The right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety, um, and it's not just the cool part about it is it's not just an abortion petition. Uh, it's more than that. So it's got abortion, contraception, fertility treatment, miscarriage care. Like <clears throat> it really does a good job of hitting the, the whole spiel, which is what I've always thought was interesting about the abortion conversation is the number of women who I'm not, and I'm sure that most women do understand this, but I would imagine that there's a population who are against abortion, but have no issue with IFE and all that goes with IFV and to to disassociate those is actually really hard medically speaking when you think about you know the number of uh, miscarriages or or you know failed insertions that happen with IFV that result in DNCs and so like that that's a very interesting situation to me and also just the amount of pregnancies that don't come to term right like yeah. you are there is a like miscarrying in the first trimester is not a statistical anomaly no. It happens. It's incredibly frequent. And um, I think that what a lot of uh, particularly, I mean, young women are not taught uh, nearly enough about their own biology when they're young. Uh, and then there's always a ton of misinformation as you get older about yeah. um, 
what the birth control pill even does. Like there's the, the birth control pill is enjoying a new status uh, in the conspiracy world, um, which is really annoying to me. But anyway, uh, that should get and, a lot better with RFK running as an independent. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be really that's gonna be really helpful. And you know, I've even talked to women in my life where, you know, they have advanced degrees in something, and they're super smart. And we start talking about contraception and pregnancy, and I'm like, what? weird brochure did you read in a lobby somewhere that gave you those ideas so anyway i think that um i think this is a really smart i think this is a really smart ballot initiative and based on what's happened electorally recently in ohio i would say the let's make it more illegal people are probably in the minority in the state um that's what i tend to think anyway yeah no that sounds right and if you want to get involved with the effort to make sure that Ohio passes issue one and enshrines abortion rights for all who live there, you can get involved with the Ohio Democratic Party, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Ohio AFL-CIO, and other organizations are all together with the Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights. And that voting is going to start very soon. Sean, I had a question for you about part of this. So politically speaking, I think one of the smartest things they've done here is that the, the, the law as they have written it, if it goes into effect, it says that it will allow abortions up to 22 weeks. So there's still, we're still talking about some limitations here, but we're now getting into that zone of, you know, anybody who's, for those who are unaware uh, 22 weeks is not how long uh, a woman is pregnant for <laughs> to give birth. That is not the entire uh, cycle. You're usually talking about that th- like 38-ish to 40 zone. Um, so we're talking about more than half of a typical termed pregnancy. But it's still – do you think that politically speaking this helps take the sting out of the Republicans, you know, what is their most unrealistic – most fake, most sensationalized argument, and yet often their strongest argument, which is Democrats are in favor of abortion up and until the point of and after birth. Right, right. Yeah, it would be interesting to know exactly how they ended up with that ballot language and that provision, because I think you're right. You know, the Republicans seem to be. It's what I'll just say that quickly that that's what it was. I mean, somebody can correct me. But that's what that's what the standing was before Roe was overturned. Gotcha. That's what I 20, thought. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Right. So I thought it might have been 26, but I think 22 is correct. Um, yeah, I love it when Ann Wagner's like Democrats are in favor of after birth mm-hmm. abortion. I'm like, that's murder. I don't think right. I don't know a single Democrat that's like, you know, what's cool? Murdering babies. Right. I've never, um, ever, 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 ever met anybody who was like, I can't wait to have this baby so that I can kill it. Like, that's the most insane right. thought and argument. Like, I'm saying it, you know, jokingly, but, like, it's such a dumbass thing. Have have known women that didn't know they were pregnant until the 21st or 22nd week. Sure. Because, again, we don't teach women anything about uh, reproductive health care in this country, or at least not enough. And Yeah, we uh, went to high school with a guy. Yeah. I won't say any names. Uh, she wasn't in our – she didn't graduate with us, but I am aware of this person who – she's tall – and has wide shoulders and she did not know she was pregnant until she gave birth to the child and nobody knew like it wasn't like she was hiding it nobody knew she was she had no clue 
and then gave birth. Like it's 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 crazy. It's just crazy to yeah. Anyway. We'll go straight into Illinois. JB Pritzker had a big profile in the New Yorker and lots of ink. And I'll use this as a segue. He said that this abortion conversation is not going anywhere. And he's made Illinois an island for reproductive justice, among many other big time progressive accomplishments. And so I think it was Rachel, you said uh, maybe we could frame it as a true or false. Is Illinois the most progressive state in the country? Yeah. What do you think? I- I think that um, it's fascinating to me how when you talk to people who aren't from the Midwest, that they just look at the flyover like, well, it's just like these islands of blue on the edge of the country. And then it's just this sea of red in the middle. And there's no progressivism that doesn't happen in Washington State, Washington, D.C., New York City, New York State, yeah, Arizona, whatever. And I'm like, well, but you understand that from a legislative, from a purely legislative perspective, I would argue that Illinois I mean, is at least tied with California as the most progressive state in the country. Um, Pritzker is an interesting guy. And when he, I feel like he knows the tea leaves pretty well. And what I think is really interesting is that he started a pack. It's also on our show sheet that will help enshrine abortion laws in other States. And he funded it himself because he's a, he's He's a a rich guy. He's a rich guy. And I've, you know, I've been saying for a while, you may recall that I've been the one saying, like, if you don't think that abortion is the most important issue in 2024, then you have been sleeping through American history. And I don't know what's wrong with you. And he's very smart to be the guy who can stake out a claim and say, well, I'm going to make this my issue because he certainly understands, uh, the nuance of swing districts in places like Illinois, he's mm-hmm. using these resources to help other states. I think that's really important. Is that I think he's helping, but he's he's working Nevada, in Nevada, Ohio, and Nevada. Arizona. Yeah, so he's going to help Ohio. I'm going to guess gonna coming help. to a Missouri near you. Right. right. So he's so he's going to make it easier, and presumably he's going to put in a couple, you know, dozens of millions of dollars into this to help states like Missouri provide the infrastructure so it's easier to pass ballot initiatives and in the process perhaps make him a an object of debate for either 2024 or 2028 and i i i think i'm not i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that oh, illinois uh with a just remarkable maybe it's tied with minnesota as the most progressive state in the country actually now that i think about it has passed a remarkable slate of progressive legislation. They're the only state that legalized marijuana in the legislature, not by the voters. Right. Uh, they were among the first states to legalize abortion. And it just kind of goes on and on. Like he's just interested in sort of helping to decriminalize, you know, drugs and all kinds of other things. He's an interesting guy. And um, I, I think what I was going to say before I interrupted myself is to say that I believe if I'm not mistaken, that there have been other legislative uh, accomplishments from Illinois and also, uh, notably, uh, a president or two that have been elected from Illinois. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. A couple of pretty Abra- well-known ones. Abraham Lincoln and um, a guy you may have heard of named Barack Obama. So mm-hmm. Pritzker uh, is a fascinating character to watch. Um, what did the New Yorker? I didn't have time to read the New Yorker article. Like, yeah, what Sean, did it I didn't say? read it either. It was really good. I mean, it it was a glowing profile. It was, I think the title was something like, J.B. Pritzker, progressive hero, question mark. Um, But it kind of just ticks through like it gives a nice 
look at his background. His family is like the Hyatt hotel chain. Um, but his dad died when he was 39 of a heart attack, like playing tennis, started this dynasty with one hotel by the Los Angeles airport. And, you know, there's a little thing in the New Yorker article about how he had to, you know, bus tables in the kitchen. And his mom told him, you have to work twice as hard as everybody else because you didn't even earn the right to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and he and his siblings, Penny Pritzker, you might, that might, that name might ring a bell. She was the U.S. uh commerce secretary mm -hmm. under obama i think and maybe uh involved in the biden administration too um but he passed legislation to get rid of cash bail which punishes poor illinoisans and in general they talked about his record as being one that harkened back to investments that we saw like in the 1930s and the 1960s investments in schools investments in roads communities pro-labor and um, the guy just has a ton of cash. And so the convention is going to be in Chicago. He assured the party that, you know, there will be no debt from the convention. So everyone right. loves that. I mean, everyone loves a dude with unlimited resources. Um, and uh, and he seems to be a serious person who makes good decisions. Right. I could see him. I've said it before. I could see him being the party's ultimate nominee at the top of the ticket for 2024. I think he's definitely positioning himself to do it without skipping a beat yeah i think that makes a ton of sense and it is <clears throat> it is amazing when you see like you know like you think about like the trump children right and these billionaires kids who yeah they you know they get an education maybe but they're just kind of these like you know unserious people to to, to to quote succession you are not serious people <laughs> like they're just not <laughs> they're not serious people Prisker, uh, who his grandfather was a slice, like super well-known lawyer. Uh, I mean, he graduated from a law school named after his grandpa. So like, this is not a guy who had to go to law school to, you know, become a member of the political class or whatever. Like he could have done that just by existing. He went to, uh, you know, Duke and then went to Northwestern, which is the law school that's named after his grandpa and is a member of the Illinois bar. Like this man had enough money when he rolled out of bed every morning to do nothing and be fine for the rest of his life and, and generations on down the line. And yet he did that. And that like, to me, that says something about a person. And he went to Milton, which just makes me think of, you know, Buster. And so he's a, he's a Milford man. He... <laughs> Neither seen nor heard. Neither seen nor heard. What was his, well, you know what I don't know about Prisker? Um, and Prisker, I'll say it like stood out to me because he was elected governor, Brad for Trump was elected president. And so mm -hmm. he was, he was kind of this interest. I didn't realize that there was going to be, because Illinois is not known for having particularly competent uh, statewide Democrats. I mean, like notably, Huge scandal. Rob with... Lagoyevich. Yeah, yeah, not a good <laughs> yeah. look. And so, like, it's easy to sort of like it was Illinois was kind of getting laughed off on the national stage to some yeah. extent after the pay for play. Of, of, if you guys remember our listeners, meaning that like after Obama was elected president, there was like a pay for play scandal when what's his name again, Adam? Rob Lagoyevich. Off was basically like who's got the money and who wants to be yeah. in the US right i've got Senate. this fucking thing yeah 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 totally i've got yeah. this fucking thing um so like, everything Pritzker, under my hair is so, is empty space just put your cash so Pritzker, right under my so, hair so pritzker 
had uh some work to do to kind of clean house and it from what that i scanned the new yorker from what it said like people respect him for that like people are like yeah. no he really had to undo a lot of corruption uh i don't think he had a particularly it doesn't sound like his his uh relationship with the former with uh laurie lightfoot uh, chicago's former it doesn't sound like that was particularly uh i don't know it sounded like they, they kind of didn't really see i i had a lot of things i'm not i don't quote me on that but i remember reading some stuff where it's like they had a frosty i'll say the relationship was frosty people, people if i'm wrong feel free to let me know but i um and uh but i don't know much about his background like was he what did was he new to government when he suddenly decided to be governor like what he was an was investment it? guy b before he got into government. He ran for Congress in 1998 and spent a bunch of money and lost, I think, in the primary. Came yeah, he in third he in the primary poorly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, I guess he inherited $1.3 billion and tripled it. Is, is what they say in the New York. Yeah. Well, the first $1.3 is the toughest. Right. So, so, uh, so unlike, so then, so then not. But they Trump. passed, uh, they right. passed the an assault weapons ban in Illinois and the credit rating, the, had been dinged several times by under previous governors. Right. To Didn't he sign a balanced budget jail. like his first year? Right, yeah, and the credit rating has been raised like eight times since he's been governor. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely a, a guy to watch. And then something in the Illinois legislature right now, another progressive gun safety thing that they're trying to do better by domestic violence survivors and make it easier to take the guns of people who are abusive. I don't know if you had yeah. a chance. I know you see this in your uh, courtrooms on a regular yeah. basis, Adam, yeah. or what do you think of this legislation? Yeah, it, it's great legislation. It should be everywhere. Um, the you know here in Missouri, they passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and that basically shot that in the foot. Although there's been other challenges to that, but yeah, it's <clears throat> it's really good legislation. Um, you know, uh, murders in the home are so often connected to domestic violence cases anyway, so it just makes a ton of sense. Uh, in those instances. And even if it's just temporary, just to turn the heat down on things while people are, because you get into family law cases and stuff. And even if it's not a, a typical abusive relationship, just a heated relationship, like emotions get super high. People get really, really angry. Uh, things get said, um, you know, and especially if they wind up in court and in trial and stuff and there's cross examinations because people have a tough time separating out, you know, when I go do my job, sometimes like there's there's a lot of people who think I'm like the biggest asshole in the world because I was getting paid to cross examine them. And that's not a great, you know, fun time if you're on the other side <laughs> of of that happening to you. So, you know, and, and on top of that, uh, Governor Pritzker is under 60 years old. Right. How about yeah, that? He's not he's not much older than he's not much older than me. Right. He's an ex yeah. 58. OK, so like, yeah, so he's just he's almost in. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm I'm gonna claim him as an exer. Yeah, he's uh, in that sweet spot. What's governor, the, is it governor, the Jones generation? Yeah, like he's he's like Kamala Harris. Like I, I'm yeah. gonna claim you, sir, as one of ours because we don't have enough. So we need to reinforce the because like his vibe is decidedly more Gen X. Oh, for sure. Than Boomer anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy that's like, why isn't we? Why isn't we legal here? Let's just do that right now. Like mm -hmm. done. Okay, great. Um. I think the only thing that he has standing against him, aside from the fact that the 80 year old president wants to run for president again, is that he is not. And this is always a hard thing to overcome for uh, political candidates. Not a comely fellow, you would say, mm -hmm. like 
Mm. He has a strong forehead. Yeah. Um, and big, like he's a big a, guy. He's a big guy. Uh, but, but like a true he, big guy. Like it's not just like Chris Christie. Yeah, like he's a bear. He's Chris a Christie bear of a man. is too big for his frame. J.B. Pritzker yes. is like this is his walking around weight. Yeah, you look <laughs> right. like you, you look at him and you're <laughs> like you're definitely from the Midwest. Like you're right. a, you have a Midwestern. And I I haven't seen him because I spend as as people who listen to the our shows a lot probably know like I'm more of a reader uh, than I am a viewer of 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 the vids so I don't know what he sound like I've I've seen him do a couple of remarks but I've never seen him make a speech so I mm-hmm. don't know but like at, at this point he's one of those people that feels like a more grounded Gavin Newsom like Gavin Newsom is a guy who like. You're like, you kind of want to lean into him a little bit and be like, you have so much on the stick. Take it down. Right. It's like, if you could look like J.B. Pritzker and be from Illinois instead of looking like you and being from California, you'd be great. Right, right, (laughs) right, right. But there's something I think that, you know, when you talk about like relatability and I think like once Trump. Can you imagine Gavin Newsom trying to do the corn dog picture at the state fair in Iowa? Yes. Yes, he's like, and this is just on a stick. So he's, the meat is on the stick. No, he's don't, don't, don't do, do, never underestimate how much agriculture comes from California. He knows his way around a state fair, but, and it's, and by the way, the California state fair is in orange County, which is squarely Trump country. So yes, I could totally imagine him being like, what's that? A fried Twinkie donut. Give me a, give me two. Like I could totally, totally see. I will say Gavin Newsom has toned down the, uh, on the self tanner recently yeah. like he looks he looks a little bit less like a burnt sienna crayola than he does like but i think like <laughs> you'd be you'd be foolish at this point not to think at some yeah, point not foolish you'd be naive to think at some point these two people are not going to face each other in some kind of like democratic presidential face down you know face off thunderdome of sorts um and uh you know what i like about what pritzker's doing is he's doing what trump said he was going to do which is to be like I have all this money and I'm going to spend it on causes that make swing voters happy and I'm not going to stop doing it. And if that means he can enter a race without having to, I don't know, take a lot of corporate donations and things like that, the, the, we young uh, progressives are yeah, going to be quite be happy. fairly excited about that. So I'm interested and I've, I'm a Pritzker fan. Um, uh, I, I look forward to seeing what he's doing. And I think what he's doing right now, I don't I don't want to be cynical in saying he's just doing this for politics. I think this is just a really, uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, generous. This is a generous thing because organizing on this level, getting state ballot initiatives passed is expensive and hard, yeah. especially in states where all the winds are pushing <clears throat> against you. So I think that's a, a generous thing to do. If anybody wants to send us a design of the big boy from Illinois for a shirt. We could, we could sell, uh, some big boy from Illinois shirts and, uh, yeah, maybe all JB. the proceeds can go to, uh, you know, helping fund the abortion. To his, uh, to his pack. Yeah. I like, I like that they said it's a super pack. And so you never said, which is a dark, which are dark money groups. And right. You never know where the money's coming from. And the, the, the article's like, well, it's all coming from him. It's all so his, it's all his money. Also, so uh, billions of dollars. The final little point I have on this is thank you, JB Pritzker, for not apologizing for that and just doing it and st- like stop, like, no more of this hand wringing of like, oh, packs and it's dark money. It's just like, no, F it. I'm making a pack. It's a dark money pack. Get over it. We're going to use it to win. We're going to do stuff you like because that's what the Republicans are doing with their money. There's so much dark money on that side of things. 
and it's it's just insane. It's 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 bringing a knife to a gunfight. Like J.B. Pritzker showed up and he was like, "I got all the guns. We got right. all the guns. We're good to go." He also he also has billions of dollars, so right. he can kind of like he's in a. It's an interesting. I mean, I wish that more billion. I've been saying this for years. I wish more. Hey, billionaires who aren't named George Soros, how about more of you do this for our team? Right? Can you just do this for our team a little bit more? Um, be great. You'll be fine. Yeah. In uh, his big first governor win, he self-funded and immediately opened 30 campaign offices around the state. So, you know, that's a good use of so, money rather so than how, just TV. You mean so like what everybody said uh, Trudy Bush Valentine was going to do <laughs> and then didn't stop? <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> Just wanted to add um, it. That, that's yeah. it. That was the bottom of the rabbit hole. We made it. <laughs> so in Kansas, here's the opposite of a billionaire. Uh, someone uh, sadly waiting on a Medicaid wait list. Kansas has still not expanded Medicaid. There are over 5,000 Kansans waiting for help. I know, Adam, you're familiar with this world as well. So yeah. I didn't know if you'd be able to speak real quickly to kind of what's going on in Kansas. Why is it stuck? What's going on? I know Laura Kelly wants the legislature to move. I guess they just have to pass it. Um, but, you know, if you see any. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty simple one. Um, so for folks who aren't aware, uh, there is Medicaid, right? And Medicare, If the, the difference on those is is income and age. So Medicaid, as the name would suggest, aid, goes to people who need something. So it is typically for based on income, right? So if your income is below a certain level, you qualify for Medicaid. If your assets are below a certain level, you qualify for Medicaid. And that can be your health insurance. And uh, there are uh, plenty of people who qualify for that just based on their health status. So our daughter, uh, and much like the, the the folks in this situation in Kansas, they had a daughter who was qualified based on her health status for Medicaid. But if you're familiar with Medicaid, you also know that it, uh, it will have a spend down for a minor. So since our daughter had us as her parents and we have insurance and we have income, we would have to spend a certain amount every month on healthcare before her Medicaid coverage would kick in. And so they, they sent us a qualification letter and then they sent us a letter that said, you have to spend $3,600 a month before you'll get any coverage on Medicaid, uh, which was an, a funny joke. And so uh, we, we didn't have traditional Medicaid for her, but she is on what's called a waiver. So there are waiver programs that say, look, we don't care how much money your family makes because if you have these kinds of conditions, your need is so high that we're not even going to look at the income. We're just going to give you the Medicaid. Uh, and a lot of times in those cases, it's supplemental anyway. So like for, for our daughter, she's on primary insurance through my wife's work. And then Medicaid comes in and kind of cleans up the gaps on other certain things. So that's what these folks had going on as well. They had a daughter who was in need of Medicaid. They signed her up for a waiver. She's clearly qualified for all of these things. And yet they never got it. 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 She's over the age of 18 now. Um, and basically if they just age them out long enough, eventually they won't be qualified and they won't ever have to give them the benefits. So it's back to the discussion we've had many times of 
this is a Republican legislature breaking the system, breaking the administrative roles that exist here, telling us they're broken, telling us that they're going to fix it. And their actual answer is to just not staff it appropriately and not allow it to work appropriately. So it's it's just a ghost town of an administrative agency. And that's the end. Like if folks want to know, like, well, how come it's so hard to get something done with the government? Because they have two people doing 10 people's jobs. Uh, and they make it as hard as possible so that those people can't get their jobs done. That's what the that's what the Republicans are doing in these state governments, and that's what they did here in Kansas. Yeah, and I that's really well said. Um, and on the Laura Kelly front, I think this will be the third time that she's going to try and pass it. And this time she actually has some bipartisan support, I think, in the state Senate, because last week or two weeks ago, uh, oh God, it could have even been this week. That's terrible. I don't remember. Um, another. There's been rural... a lot of news stories in the last week and a half. I know. I know. That's why it's terrible. <laughs> so I think we're I not even might... getting into the speaker stuff no, today. No. So. No. God. Why? 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 We could. We could talk about like Ken Buck's bucking Jordan though. That would like. I would like some puns, please. Anyway. Um. So there was a, another rural hospital that closed in Kansas, and uh, there's just you know it's another community that uh just doesn't have um healthcare within like 60 miles or something and laura kelly is started like did a barn is doing a barnstorming tour of 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 kansas right now to basically like implore people on the other side of the aisle to just be like look we're leaving billions of dollars on the table look at what's happened in places where they did expand medicaid through the affordable care act um and uh you're hurting nobody but other and i you know i hope that so the the state senator, I think it was a senator, it was in the district in which this hospital was closed. And I think finally this is some, I don't know what kind of term, legislative term limits they have in Kansas. They might not have any. Um, and so this state lawmaker is maybe hopefully finally motivated to co-sponsor a bipartisan initiative to pass Medicaid expansion. Um, the hope would be that the we are so far afield of calling it Obamacare um, I think most people don't even realize anymore that expanding Medicaid is attached to uh, the, Ford- right. the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, if you want to call it that, that's fine. Um, that maybe possibly uh, the stigma's gone. But my other low-key hope, since we're talking about politics, because that's our thing, is that while Laura Kelly is touring the state, that she just, of which she just want, rewon her position as governor, that she is thinking that at some point she might run for the United States Senate, because how awesome would it be to have Laura Kelly in the U.S. Senate from Kansas? That would make me oh, that'd be awesome. So happy. I think. I mean, she's. I don't know how old she is. She's in her sixties, I think. Um. So I understand that after four years, she may not um want to. She might want to put her feet up a little bit, but I'm. I'm asking her if anybody knows anyone that knows anyone that knows her, if you could shove this under her nose and be like, there's some lady in Missouri who really wants you to run for Senate because this is, these are the kind of conversations that make a difference when uh, somebody has a choice on a ballot, even if it's for another party and a lot of Republicans voted for her last cycle. So um, it's people shouldn't have to live like this. People shouldn't have to wake up every day that this family uh, they both work full time and they have a special needs adult child now and yeah. she's not in a position to take care of herself 
and they just need help for her. And the program exists. That's what's so galling is that right. the program exists. It's there. And if, if they would expand Medicaid and just get over themselves, there's always a political battle that you guys can win later. Just focus on that. Go like, yep. there's always something shitty you can do to other people later. Like don't d- discriminating against children that have special needs is the, is the really the most loathsome kind of politics. And there's really no excuse for it. So um, yeah, I hope no. that the wins are, uh, I'm talking about wins a lot. I hope the wins this time are in her favor. And it seems like from what I've scanned, um, that at least there is a better than zero chance that she might actually, uh, win this time on the, on behalf of the folks in Kansas. It also just to, and Sean, sorry, I'll, I'll stop talking in a second. Um, one of the things about it that is so appalling to me is like the opposition to a program like this. You know, we're constantly told that you're supposed to work harder. You're supposed to, you know, make more money. You're supposed to be part of, you know, the American dream and the American, uh, you know, economy and and all of these things. That's how you do it, folks. Um, it, It is not that expensive of a program to fund. And the difference that it makes in the lives of the parents is absolutely monumental because it creates just we're not talking about like like the program that we're in and, and the the funding that we get and the the care that my daughter's able to get as a result it doesn't make it so that we aren't her parents it doesn't make it so that we don't have a tremendous daily responsibility that we deal with but it makes it so that we are both able to maintain our employment it makes it so that our other children are able to have as you know normal of a existence as they can have and it makes it so that the the disability that has Matt you've both been to my home you know how much and Rachel you've you know you live with somebody who has had to deal with you know a, a lung transplant like when you experience that level of disability it is life changing it is life altering it is day altering it changes the way you make decisions. It's why we have people come and visit us so often, right? Because it is very difficult for us to travel. We are well-funded. I have a good job and a profession as a lawyer where I make a fine living. My wife is a teacher. We're not hurting. We're not wanting. And this, the, the help that we get is what allows us to live a life just like you, right? Just like our neighbors, just like everybody else and allows our kids to live a reasonably normal life based on the circumstances that they deal with. So, you know, we're not talking about giving folks, you know, the farm well, here or, or, and let's, you know. and let's be clear, like the money is there. The program is there. Right. It exists. Like they just right. need to sign something so that the federal funds that they currently don't have access to right. that would give, that would provide the necessity, the necessary liquidity to low income, uh, to, to health programs designed for low income residents would would potentially be able they might be able to reopen rural hospitals i mean once you lose something it's very hard to rebuild it but you just have to it's there especially something like a hospital because you're talking about technology advancing right 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 so but the infrastructure for the program is there it's not like the laws this 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 is a part of the federal budget every year now yeah so you're just depriving people of something that's already there because like you said, Adam, this is a party now that exists primarily to convince people that government can't function. Right. 
That's it. Yep. I just wanted to do this one really quickly before we go to what caught your eye. But speaking of some loathsome politics, let's go to Arizona, where some of the big news is Carrie Lake finally made her run official. She's making some waves. Debbie Lesko, who was a Freedom Caucus member in an R plus 10 district, has announced that she will not seek re-election. And Abe Hamaday, who ran for attorney general, I think, and was an election denier, MAGA type guy, He's a Republican who's announced he's going to jump in. And then Blake Masters oh, also might yay. jump in. <laughs> and so that's that seat, which we don't have to talk about. But uh, the uh, second district, Eli Crane, is in is the Republican, also a Freedom Caucus guy who beat a Democrat two years ago. He has just gotten a Democratic challenge in the form of Jonathan Nez, who's been the president of the Navajo Nation. It's a super interesting district. It's huge. It covers almost all of Arizona geographically and 12 different tribal reservations. And um, Eli Crane, the Republicans already raised $2 million for his campaign. So with the Senate race up for grabs, with the presidential race up for grabs, with this crazy stuff happening at the congressional re- level, um, you know, just keep your eyes on Arizona. Yeah, that's very interesting. All right, what what caught your eye, you guys? Um, I'll I'll go. Uh, so what caught my eye was uh, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. So uh, Thursday's episode, today's episode of uh, Dirt Road Democrat, uh, which just a reminder to folks that that's on its own channel. So where, wherever you listen to this, uh, you can also search for Dirt Road Democrat, and you can find Jess Piper's excellent show. Uh, she was joined by. Uh, a lady named Rev Carla, who is an interfaith reverend, and they talked about deconstruction. And they had this really long-ranging, open, and interesting discussion about deconstruction. And Rev Carla was, just like Jess, just like me, was brought up in a Southern Baptist uh, upbringing. And it's very interesting, uh, if you if you weren't brought up that way, to hear these two talk about it and what it's like to later in life start to have these realizations uh, about things. And it, it also is a nice glimpse into like, why do people not want, you know, kids to have their hands on books? Because books make people think about things and ask questions about things. And, uh, you know, like Jess talks about it, a little spoiler for the show. She talks about when she was in college and she read Gilgamesh and it was the first time in her life that she realized that the Bible wasn't the first book written. And how that, you know, as a in her early 20s, how that started to rip her apart at the seams and what that does to you. And and there's there's you know, it's it's a very, very interesting process to go through if you've gone through it. And uh, if you have not or if you, you know, are curious about it or, you know, whatever, if you just don't understand it because you never maybe you were brought up in an a religious home or, you know, whatever. um, It's a very interesting conversation. I'll just say really quickly that I was talking to uh, one of my best friends last week and he did grow up in a fundamentalist. Uh, I think they're, yeah, I think they are technically Southern Baptist also. And he talks about going to a, like a librarian. He talks, he, t- he does library tours all the time because he writes young adult fiction. And he said that, you know, someone gave him a book and he read it and he was like, Eva, what? And he was like, Oh, the big bang theory. And he, he was right. like, you know, in high school and he is smart and he had to question everything he'd been taught. And that, I think that cognitive dissonance can be really traumatic for people 
Uh, so I'm really looking forward to hearing that. That's awesome. Yeah, very good. Um, what caught my eye, uh, since we're talking about Arizona, um, I know, shoot, I don't have the show. Uh, sorry, you might want to cut this because I need to find the show sheet. Sorry, apologies. A little edit spot for Adam or Sean. I guess you're you, Adam Summer. Um, okay, let me do this again. Uh, so we're going to go back to Arizona for what caught my eye. Uh, Arizona Democrats back Ruben Gallego with donation ahead of cinema Senate race. First of all, uh, shout out to the NBC News staffer that wrote that headline. That's a nice one. So the state party has given $10,000 total to Democratic Rep. Ruben Gallego uh, for his Senate campaign last quarter. So I've gotten a couple of fundraising emails already from the Gallego team because, of course, I'm on all the lists. Sean, you might know something about that. And guess who it does mention, and then guess who it does not mention in the fundraising emails that I've been does, getting, Sean Does Miller. it mention Carrie Lake? It does. Ah, see, that's what I would do. If I yeah, was exactly. Fundraising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... So I, I posted on post that I was like, what I think is really interesting about this, because I put on my Sean Diller hat and I was like, they must have some internal polling showing that it's that that cinema is probably a bigger threat to Carrie Lake than she is to a Democrat. And also, like, she's not running yet. Like, she's Kirsten Cinema still hasn't decided if she's going to do whatever the hell it is that she does in her land of weird, like Hobbitville or wherever the hell she lives now. Um uh, Wonderland. So she lives in Wonderland. She does. Okay, great. Drink me. Yeah, eat exactly. Me. Uh, eat me. Speaking of eat me. No, just kidding. Uh, th that was gonna get really gross really quickly. Um, so was so cinema though is sitting on a massive pile of money. So presumably she thinks that this is gonna be something that's gonna be uh, it, it's hers for the taking, I guess. But I still think that even in a swing state like Arizona. And even in a state where, uh, I mean, how much did Kelly win by in the in the midterms? He won by like like a couple points, right? It was really super close. But Lake face planted, and she's only been like the only thing she's been doing since then is um, trying to overturn the election results of the midterms, which is not exactly winning issue yeah with Arizona well voters. she came really close I think th that was 10 or 11,000 votes that Lake lost by unfortunately and uh, th I think lost. that has a lot to do with yeah. Donald Trump like really liking her and I don't know if the magic is still going to hold this time because I, I don't know I just I'm, I'm still like if I'm sitting in Arizona and I'm let's say that I'm a part of the Navajo Nation say and the person who's running for Congress there has a relationship with all the people in my community and they've been showing up at all these events and stuff. That sounds like you could pick up a few thousand votes that way. And Carrie Lake is a hysterical weirdo who doesn't speak in broad terms about reality. And Ruben Gallego is a she known... does probably speak in tongues, however. Yeah, no. maybe whatever. Um, and Ruben Gallego is a bit, I don't know how many terms he's been in the house, but like, He's a bit also of a known commodity, certainly with the state party. And what that says to me is the state party is like, first of all, there's gonna, not going to be a primary. This is our guy. So, you know, if you're thinking about it, don't. Um, and that like they're not, uh, the, the, I don't know, the cinema is still this kind of outlier, um, but that I she might lose because no one's talking about her is what I think I'm starting to feel like. If she yeah, runs. Interesting. 
Yeah, Ruben Gallego has $5 million cash on hand as of the most recent filing. So not and, bad for uh, and, a primary. And he's doing, uh, all of his fundraising has so far been mostly from individual donors. And cinema is has been someone who just raises money from big corporate interests. So that will make it interesting because that's usually the Republican Party bailiwick is to... Yeah, so if they have a candidate, if they don't, if they're not disgusted by Lake, and it's the Arizona Republican Party, we should say, which has become uh, a party with absolutely no shame. So, uh, me thinks that it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting and something that we just have to kind of pay attention to. Absolutely. Did anything well, catch your, you? Did you do anything catch your eye, Sean Diller? Uh, I got to pick all the stories on the sheet, so I figured zing. I wouldn't do it. All right, zing. Caught my eye. Fair enough. But it's been a pleasure. Thanks, you guys. Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at americanaquarium.com. That's when I saw a tear fall from her eyes She said, what are we gonna do? What's this world coming to? For the first time in my whole life I stood there speechless
Thank you. 